personally, Ed, I'd prefer if everyone tried to drown out their neighbor's uh, noise. So feel free to sing up, and uh, and hopefully, hopefully you'll cover over someone who's even worse than you. I uh, I feel like last night we had a chance to witness um, kind of a, a portion of God's miracles. Um, I do appreciate. Uh, Maybe a slight change, although I think I've seen it in previous years uh, in, in the fireballs. You get one little taste early, and uh, I think that's good for the friends you bring, because they come and they see these uh, fireworks. Sure, they come fast, but like it's fireworks. But then, uh, then that little fireball comes, and, uh, and you can say to your friend, just wait, there's more, you know. It just, you know, what is all this about, but... It gives them the hint what happened down there. Um, but the other miracle is uh, I did talk with uh, someone else. She's the wife of a farmer. And, uh, and even my little farm at the corner of I-33 and Spruce um, could use some rain. And, uh, you know, um, uh, the earth, uh, in Genesis, it says, uh, was watered by a mist. Um, and so until uh, the time of the flood, there was no rain, which uh, is, is one thing that the people in his time found confusing. But uh, um, so we got to witness a little bit of the wrath of God maybe last night. I guess we could see it in the rolling thunders. And uh, luckily, uh, or fortunately, um, he stopped as he promised he would, um, but uh, but I was talking with that uh, wife of the farmer and saying like, you know, if I had to wait a few more weeks for rain, I would choose cancellation of the fireworks for the rain. But I don't know if anyone else felt that way. Probably the only one. This morning, we're... Uh, once again in Kings, um, we've moved from the first to the second verse, or first uh, uh, book to the second, um, but uh, there's, there's an overlap of stories here. We look at Kings, Second uh, Kings 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up uh, to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take away Take your master from you today. Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elisha, Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked, him. Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. 
Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided, uh, divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry land. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do for you before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elisha, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. We've heard these stories, uh, uh, two stories this past week, uh, past two weeks of uh, Elijah, and heard about these miracles he's done. He uh, did many and was a part of many. God miraculous, miraculously fed him. But when he first arrives on the scene in uh, chapter 17 of First Kings, uh, he kind of comes out of nowhere and declares before Ahab that he's going to bring a drought to the land of Israel. That drought was kind of an affront to the gods that he had placed before the one true God. Um, Baal was a fertility god. They always seem to be fertility gods of some kind. but uh, um, And so... Uh, uh, this God could not uh, take credit for any fertility in the land because God had just shut off the taps. He uh, consumed uh, the uh, sacrifice on the altar on the Mount Carmel. And uh, that's another thing about those fireballs, I think. Uh, do we get a, a glimpse of what, what it might have looked like that day when... Uh, God sent fire from heaven to consume uh, Elijah's offering on Mount Carmel. Um, I think uh, it probably did look a little bit like that, just all consuming those uh, nuclear bombs we seem to see on 4th of July. He did many miracles, 
and uh, he was always there, a thorn in Ahab's side, mainly because uh, Ahab was uh, a horrible leader seeking his own selfish desires and not that of uh, what was best for uh, the kingdom of Israel. Elijah and Elisha are, well, kind of hard to tell apart. You can hear it in my reading of the scripture that uh, uh, it's, it's easy, easy to blend these two together. And then Elisha picks up Elijah's uh, um, work and, uh, and carries it forward. And so a lot of that seems to blend together. It's interesting, though, uh, we think, well, maybe Elisha should inherit this double portion of Elijah's spirit. What does that mean? Well, uh, you may also recall that uh, the firstborn heir in a family would receive a double portion of their father's inheritance. And I think that calls to that in that he was to be treated as the firstborn. There were many other prophets in that time. Elijah and Elisha weren't the only ones. Uh, we hear of a Micaiah and some other unnamed prophet. But we see 50 on the shore here, and there are more in various places. We know there were 7,000 at least uh, following God. We don't know if uh, all of those were considered prophets. Maybe they were simply prophetic because they weren't given and consumed by the culture around them. They were salt and light to the world around them. And so that in itself made them a prophet. This morning, uh, Kendall read from Luke. We see a lot of parallels uh, in that those verses from the chapters of Luke 9. We see at this time, uh, Jesus, it says he, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Luke places this travel as... Uh, as Jesus know, knowing he's heading to the cross. But it also says it's uh, um, the time is approaching for him to be taken up to heaven. The people want to follow him. And Jesus says, you follow me and you'll have no home. You follow me and you should leave behind those you care about. You should say goodbye to your family. You should quit looking to your work. Back in the end of First Kings, we read of the call of Elisha. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, he was plowing 
with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was dri driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. I have, what have I done to you? So Elisha left and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Elijah in that moment at least gave up his occupation. Elijah uh, throwing his cloak over Elisha was foretelling that this man would be his heir, the heir of his work, his heir in the kingdom. And with that, Elisha recognized it and laid aside everything as those who might have followed Jesus did. He burned the plow. He didn't sell it off. He didn't, uh, it seems like he's uh, killed uh, two oxen. There were 12 pairs there. I guess the other 11 went on. And he was controlling that 12th pair. Slaughtered it. Gave up all of uh, his ability to produce income and survive on his, by the work of his hand to follow this call that God, through Elijah, had placed on him. That's what we do when we follow Jesus. Paul likes to, uh, to allude to this idea of clothing ourselves. What do we clothe ourselves with? He wants us to clothe ourselves with these characteristics of the Spirit. He asks us to clothe ourselves with Jesus. But how do we clothe ourselves? Have we been willing to lay aside that old nature of ours? and go forth in a new covering, clothed in Christ. We as followers of Jesus are called the church. The church, again, often feels like a building, but it is really the body of Christ with Jesus as the head. And if we can get that eye, 
or get that image in our mind, we see us as a much different thing. God has clothed and covered us to take on his ministry. Or I should say, Jesus. Jesus really, in a way, ended prophetic work uh, in his life and ministry. He was considered prophet, priest, and king. No one had ever held all three roles, but he claimed them all. There was one who was considered a priest and king. His name was Melchizedek. But he was not considered a prophet. In Jesus' prophetic work, saving the entire world, he took on that mantle, and we really don't do what, uh, what these old um, prophets in the past have done. But we clothe ourselves in Christ. And in that clothing, we are prophets today. Just as those other prophets of old may have... Uh, have um, just simply shared the word of God by being so different from the world. We're in that same manner, prophets of God. Christ said we would go forth and do greater things. That's what our newsletter is about, doing greater things. It should be word of us uh, sharing how God is working through this world. That's a bold claim to say that we will do greater things than Christ, except he gave us that charge. And I think we've done it. It's hard to argue with the lives that Christ touched, that we have multiplied this kingdom throughout generations. We may not have uh, ever cured a man from blindness or helped a man to walk again, though some of us may. But it is all about restoring us in a walk to follow Jesus. And that has expanded exponentially past anything Christ did on this earth. But Christ, as well as Elijah, removed himself from the equation. Some say that Elijah was, uh, was transformed and would forever or for hundreds of years, live in the imagination of the people of Israel. This man who, didn't, who was raised up and didn't die, when would he come back? Some would ask 
John the Baptist? Was he Elijah, the Elijah who was to come? And his response was essentially, no, I'm just a voice calling out in the wind. But he did prepare the way for Jesus to come. And in the way he set aside his ministry so that Jesus may be greater. And Jesus set aside his time on earth, was translated, I said transformed, translated into the sky. And so that the Holy Spirit may move through his people and do great works for his kingdom. We are the prophetic work of Christ. Some of us will say, well, um, Glenn is gone and our work here uh, is stalled. But it has just changed. The same as the same, the the situation is the same for any of us gone. If one person is missing for a long time, that changes who we are and how we operate as AMC. Glenn preaches a lot. We shift through people uh, manning cameras, running slideshows. We all shift around into new positions and take up this prophetic work that God is calling AMC to do. Elisha, before he took up that cloak, tore his clothing. Years before, or at least a time before, he had given up his labors. And this show of tearing his clothing said he was giving up who he was as a person to carry this mantle that Elijah put for, before him. He was leaving behind the old and taking up something new. Taking up a new mission and calling for his life. As the previous had faded away. Elijah picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah. And went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he struck it with the cloak, the water divided to the right and to the left. And he crossed over.
Please stand. Lord, your mission continues in this world, continues with your people. May you continue to guide us with your Holy Spirit. May we lay aside that former clothing that we've been comfortable in. May we pick up your cloak, clothe ourselves in Christ. Now look back at what we left behind, but move forward and move as you seek us for us to move forward your kingdom. Guide and direct us all these days. Amen. Have a great week.